Greetings, and welcome to episode 24 of Ending the Sexual Dark Age. I'm J.V. Authoras, and this week I'm going to be talking about homophobia sexuality. Coming up over the next couple months, there will be several shows on various aspects of group sex as well as open or polyamorous relationships. As a society, our attitudes towards homosexuality and bisexuality have a huge impact on our attitudes towards group sex, bi-curiosity, and even ass play for straight guys. It's ingrained and fundamental, so before getting into those issues, I feel like it's important to do a quick show on queerology. Even if you're as straight as the glass of scotch sitting in front of me, your attitude towards homosexuality still has a fundamental impact on your sexuality. Great sex is all about knowing yourself, being willing to look your own sexuality in the eye, and not judging the desires of others. If you're judgmental, you can't be open to whatever desires your playmate might have. As an example, a former long-term playmate of mine once dated a Marine. They were talking one night, and she admitted that she'd kissed a girl when she was in school. The guy totally flipped out on her, to the extent that she lied about making it all up just to talk him down off the ledge. That guy's homophobia bounced him out of the running for a three-way with two girls, and therein lies the lesson. Your attitude towards homosexuality matters, regardless of who you are. It matters to your own sexuality, it matters to the way you interact with the world, and it matters to any developing young minds that you might come in contact with. Now, before getting upset about anyone else being gay, the question to ask yourself is simply how much you want to allow the actions and personal preferences of other people to control your life. When you're full of rage and righteous indignation over the fact that some other guy likes to suck dick, and he's not even trying to suck your dick, I think you're letting that cocksucker run your life. And he's not even trying to run your life. He just wants to be left the fuck alone. The power to avoid giving a shit is crucial, I believe, to having a healthy relationship with sexuality as well as a positive outlook on life in general. When you don't give a shit about things that don't affect you, you're able to focus your time and energy on things that actually do affect you. I try to be very selective regarding what I give a shit about in life. I mean, there are only so many hours in the day. For example, I do not give a shit about Lindsay Lohan. Never did. Don't know her personally, her life has no impact on mine, and every moment of news coverage I see on her is just blah 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 going on in the background. I think the best way to truly respect the rights of others is to build yourself a give-a-shit circuit breaker. In the beginning, you really have to force it. You have to stop and say to yourself when you get stressed out about something, each and every time, stop and ask yourself, does this affect me personally? And if it doesn't affect you, say to yourself, out loud if it helps, this does not affect me personally, so I'm not going to give a shit. Eventually, with practice, you can just flip the switch. It's like, I don't think I'll give a shit about how long Martha Stewart's going to jail. Click. Any information on that topic is now background noise. I submit that in order for us to have meaningful energy to devote to issues that do impact our lives, we absolutely have to make decisions about give a shit levels, and we have to be pretty brutal about it. Someone who doesn't give a shit about what others do behind closed doors is incapable of getting all riled up about it. They're too busy not giving a shit. Like I said, it takes practice, but the ability to throw that circuit breaker is one of the most liberating experiences that I've known. And I must say, I use it quite a lot, especially when watching cable news. Today I'm going to be talking about some gender-bending issues. In my desire to be inclusive, I generally use the acronym LGBT, which means lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transsexual. Those groups tend to gather under a common flag because they face the same social issues and can work for change as a group. LGBT doesn't exactly roll off the tongue or insert smoothly into dialogue, however, so for the purposes of this show, I'm just going to use the word gay and ask everybody to feel included. The brutal truth is, 
Are, are you ready? Gays are just like everyone else in every way that actually matters. They're no more or less likely to be criminals or saints or assholes or whatever. They look just like everyone else, too. You know lots of gays, whether you realize it or not. Depending on where you get your statistics and where you live, between 5 and 10% of people in the United States identify as homosexual. And when I say identify, that means we're not counting everyone in the closet. At least one out of every 20 people you meet or deal with is either gay or halfway there. At least one in 20. What does this mean? Well, for starters, considering how many of them are out there, we have to pretty much conclude that they blend in. Yes, they are just like everyone else. They're citizens who pay their taxes, and they're entitled to just as many rights and protections under the law as the breeders. But they don't get all those rights, because in the sexual dark age, it's okay to marginalize someone just because of who they like to fuck or how they like to do it. It happens every single day. But with gays, it's officially sanctioned. Gays also grew up in the same dark age as everyone else. Playing with the same equipment that you've got yourself doesn't make you any better at sex or allow you to skip any of the difficulties of being in a relationship. Everybody faces those. They're no more or less likely to be monogamous or kinky or cheat when they're in a committed relationship. And to top it off, being gay is not something that happens to you or a decision that you make. It's a perfectly natural state of being and just the way some people are built. If it wasn't natural we wouldn't see it throughout the animal kingdom in creatures not capable of the higher order of thought that would be required to make a choice about sexuality. These are creatures that run on instinct. It's also been repeatedly shown that in nature, the rates of gay animals will rise as population density rises. It's nature's way of saying, okay, we have enough to sustain the species. We can notch back on procreation a little to conserve resources. And I doubt anyone would argue that we don't have enough humans to sustain the species. And in fact, more scientists would argue that we'd do well to reproduce a little less as it is. In addition, regardless of what the prophets of the Dark Age would have you believe, hanging around with gays cannot make you gay. You don't become gay. It's not something that rubs off on you if you accidentally bump willies in the locker room. You realize that you're gay. And for most, that realization comes pretty early in life, even if the Dark Age convinces them to deny it. Most importantly, nobody else is going to turn you gay, which, for a lot of guys, is the root of their queasiness about queers. Homophobia is, in fact, one of the hallmarks, the cornerstones of the sexual dark age. I would argue that homophobia was created by it. You know, since I'm pretty liberal about bending language to suit my needs, I'm going to abolish the term homophobia as bullshit due to its inaccurate overuse in modern society. What we see in the world today is not fear of gays. It's hate. It's bigotry, just as sure as the Klan hates anyone who isn't white. In fact, it's the last culturally acceptable bigotry that we have. The last one that legislators will stand up and defend. Like they defended segregation. And like they defended a lack of voting rights for women and slavery before that. Bigotry is disgusting in any form. And to call bigotry a phobia, like it's fear of heights or something, is just bullshit. It's like saying, I'm not racist, I'm negrophobic. Calling it a phobia is one step removed from calling it a disease, another method often employed to make hideous behavior seem less hideous. It implies that people somehow have no ability to control it. It's not some genetic condition. We teach hate. I think some parents believe that if they raise their kids to hate gays, it somehow prevents their kids from being gay. In reality, all it does is make sure any gay kids they do have end up being self-hating closet cases. 
If we could get everyone to stop teaching hate and bigotry for 30 years, we could abolish them altogether, at least when it comes to ethnic and sexual issues. Not like it's going to happen, but oh, if I were king. Anyway, if you were truly homophobic, you'd wet your pants and run screaming from the room every time somebody queued up its raining men. The people we think of, or should say call, homophobes, aren't actually afraid of gays. They hate gays, more often than not because of their own religious beliefs. And they think that their own hatred justifies denying people some of the basic rights and protections that are enjoyed by the breeders. So I hereby abolish the term homophobia in favor of the much more accurate term gay hate. And those who stand at the podiums in our U.S. Congress, as well as state houses across the nation, sent there by their constituents to preach gay hate by proclaiming that gays shouldn't be treated as full citizens in America. They have nothing but a magic book to justify their actions. They want their personal religious beliefs imposed on others by the government. That's not supposed to be the way that we do things around here. Marriage is a legal device that exists within our society to bind two people together. If gay marriage were indeed legalized, no religious institution would be bound to recognize it. Just like the Catholics, when someone in the Catholic Church gets divorced and then gets remarried, they do not recognize the second marriage as having taken place within the Church. This is all very normal. It's business as usual. If gays could marry, nobody would be forcing the churches to recognize them. What goes on inside the church? Fuck you, that's your business. I don't give a shit, as long as you're not trying to get any on me. The fact that a nature of a type of marriage is something that your religious institution does not recognize does not undermine the legal validity of that arrangement, and it cannot be used as an argument against it. As long as it's restricted to consenting adults, no issue of sexual preference is justification for the denial of any civil rights. Not in my America, and hopefully not in yours. No matter how you dress it up or try to justify it, once you shovel off the layers of bullshit, you end up with exactly the same argument. Because the Bible says so. I have a real fucking problem with that, and you should too. Especially if the Bible they're talking about is the book that you subscribe to, and here's why. First, using any religious text as a basis for law and order is a fundamentally flawed concept, especially in America. Religious texts do not make room for exceptions, and we are the land of the exception to the rule. Cops don't get speeding tickets, CEOs can tank the entire fucking global economy and still get their multi-million dollar bonuses, and the leaders of strict conservative organizations can get away with gay sex in an airport bathroom as long as they say they're sorry afterwards. Exceptions, exceptions, exceptions. Second, basing law on religion is an all-or-nothing proposition. You can't be credible and also pick and choose which religious practices are worthy of elevation to legal status. And for example, if you read through the New Testament for instructions on how to treat women, most of that shit would get you justifiably burned at the stake if you tried to enforce it. That or it'd just get you bobatized. And lastly, in a nation with religious freedom, if you want to base laws on any religion, you've got to base laws on all of them. And many of them have contradictory beliefs. Debating the sovereignty of religious belief systems is not a job for the floor of Congress. It can't be, and there were a bunch of really smart motherfuckers a few hundred years ago who knew that church and state had to be separated. You've heard of them. They're the ones who wrote our war-weary and threadbare constitution. If you want people to fall in line with your religious beliefs, you gotta convince them that your way is right. That's how religion works. You don't legislate the behavior and then call it a victory because people are forced to do it your way, all the while getting more pissed off at you, mind you. It doesn't work. It never has, 
And if you look at all the places in the world where religious laws reign supreme, you're going to find places we sure as fuck do not want to emulate. The fact that it's good enough for Iran does not make it good enough for the rest of us. A few months ago, Rob Reiner said that one day we're going to look back on the current gay rights issues like we look back on times when women and black people couldn't vote. Americans won't be able to comprehend how we ever allowed gays to be treated differently than everyone else under the law. I really hope he's right. Because we are one of the only Western nations that still marginalizes homosexuals. And as far as our global image, I think that's pretty fucking pathetic. We're in a club with nations that enforce Sharia law on their citizens, and I really don't like that. Yeah, the other countries basing their laws on religion are stoning people in the streets. Yay, progress. America leads by example once more. Attitudes towards homosexuality are one place in which the ancients were far more civilized than we are today. One example is gays in the military. We've all heard arguments that somehow having gays on the front lines creates some kind of insurmountable issues with troop effectiveness. You're not going to be able to trust your buddy when your buddy's watching your butt. On that point, I would like to draw your attention to one Alexander the Great, one of the greatest conquerors in the history of the world who commanded the most fearsome armies of his age. The Greek armies, the most ferocious and effective warriors on the planet at the time, were a bunch of buttfuckers, to an extent that their appetite for stodomy is still legendary to this day. In prostitute secret code, going Greek means taking it in the ass. Greek soldiers would ass-fuck their defeated enemies, sometimes on the battlefield, to underline their humiliation at the hands, well, not just the hands, of the Greek army. And Alexander, the great conqueror himself, flaming! So before anyone gets all stressed out about gays in the military, think about this. Emperor Fabulous and his army of buttfuckers was one of the only military forces to ever successfully conquer and hold Afghanistan. As a culture, we could stand to spend a little bit more time considering what he was doing right. But it's not that the Greek warriors were gay or something. They were just people living in a world that didn't revile homosexuality. There wasn't a positive view of it. It wasn't, you know, it's not something that was promoted so much as it was something that had no stigma. There were plenty of terrible things going on in ancient times as well, and I'm not trying to paint some kind of utopian picture of an existence that was generally pretty barbaric and brutal for most people. I'm just saying. As a culture, we seem to have lost a basic understanding of the human condition that was unquestioned in the ancient world. The ancient Greeks, you know, the guys that gave us democracy, philosophy, the Hippocratic Oath that every doctor swears to, they observed the world and they drew conclusions from it. One of those conclusions was that some people happen to like playing with the same equipment they've got between their own legs, and there's no reason to make a big fucking deal out of it. It's just the way some of us are built. Over the course of sexual dark age, this bit of seemingly obvious wisdom was lost, trampled into the ground as generation after generation was taught that their local magic book had all the answers about how they were supposed to be, and feel, and live. And if they didn't meet those standards, then they were failing their creator. It's a short putt from there to killing the sinners for their blasphemy, which is what you have under Sharia law in many places in the world to this day, and what you had across Europe for a thousand years. The fact that our current modern gay hate doesn't necessarily involve killing people doesn't make it any less horrendous. Bisexuality is something a lot of people have trouble getting their head around. I think the biggest reason for that is our obsession with labeling everything combined with society's inability to deal with gray areas. We understand, I'm all the way on the left and you're all the way on the right, so fuck you, man! We're pretty shitty at dealing with the middle, though. The middle ground doesn't make for a good soundbite. 
The sexual dark age teaches us that you're either gay or straight, and if you're gay, you're wrong. I mean, it's tough to half-hate somebody, so bisexuality is probably especially confusing for the bigots. I hate you, but, but, but only, only when you're doing that. On the topic of bigots, a lot of what I'm saying on this show applies equally to racism. Beauty knows no ethnic limitations, and I'm proud to say that my dick is colorblind. I've always wondered, like when a racist sees Halle Berry in a thong bikini, does he feel the need to punch himself in the balls for five minutes to punish his cock for getting hard? The truth is that nothing in sexuality is as simple as gay or straight. Plenty of people who would identify as gay in a truly free society go on to stay in the closet, marry, and have kids. Sometimes they come out later in life, sometimes they don't. The fact that a guy later in life comes out as gay doesn't mean his marriage was a sham or something. He was sexually attracted enough to his woman to have kids and act straight for some period of time. He was able to perform sexually, he was at least that attractive to his wife, so he's not totally gay, but he's got enough interest in cock that he wants some. There are also plenty of bisexuals who end up identified as gay or straight because they're in a monogamous relationship. The media and some people in power like to portray gays as, you know, just totally carefree, no sexual discrimination, fucking in the back room all night kind of people when most of them really aren't. Most of them prefer monogamy. You know, we have a mostly monogamous society. So a lot of people are going to end up monogamous regardless of who they happen to want to fuck. They may well have been playing both sides of the fence until they found someone they wanted to keep. And they may be very committed to a monogamous partner. But a bisexual person in a monogamous relationship is not suddenly gay or straight. They're still bisexual. Everything in life is made up of shades of gray. Not all bisexuals are bi to the same degree. There are guys who will stroke another guy off but not suck dick. And some who will smoke pole but will not play catcher. There are women who will go to third base with other girls but stop short of licking pussy. There are no rules. There is no normal, no right, no wrong. Everyone's sexual experience is unique to them. And accepting that from gay to straight is as fundamental a principle of great sex as accepting it from vanilla to freak. Bisexuality is actually one of the places where women are winning the battle of the sexes. Because most gay hate is directed towards gay guys, bisexuality among guys is culturally on the same level as being full gay. It just doesn't have the same stigma for women, probably because every guy wants a three-way, and that requires, in most of our minds, a bisexual woman. Three-way fantasies for most guys involve the girls doing each other. Three-way fantasies for most women involve two guys doing them, and specifically not each other. Women confident enough to get double-teamed aren't as likely to let a perfectly good stiffy get wasted fucking that other guy. Bi-curiosity is a concept that creates a lot of confusion as well. And that confusion is the reason so many guys fall flat on their faces when their girl admits she might be willing to get into a three-way with another girl. Guys who haven't demoted their dicks immediately start trying to decide which one of her friends they want to fuck. This is not step one. Your big head would know that if you'd gotten any real sex education. I'm going to go into the dealing with curiosity aspect a lot more when talking about threesomes in an upcoming episode, but I thought this was worth bringing up for a moment today. Curiosity means exactly that. You're curious. You explore curiosity slowly. If your playmate admits to you that they've got bisexual interests, it probably took a lot for him to admit that in the first place, especially if it's a guy. Getting a bi-curious person into a bisexual play is a journey that starts with a kiss and might never go farther than that. We call it curiosity for a reason. Some people explore a little and find that they're not really interested. What you need to do, male or female, is be patient and encouraging. And if a bi-playmate is something that really turns you on, cross your fingers. Be a little extra encouraging. But as with all things sexual, pushing too far, too fast is a bad idea. Kick back and enjoy the ride. There's also a lot of homo stigma attached to ass play by a lot of straight guys, another topic that'll get its own show down the road. 
No, enjoying a finger up your ass during a blowjob is not going to turn you gay. Enjoying a dildo up your ass for a little prostate massage doesn't mean you're gay. Unless there's a guy working the dildo. That's kind of gay. A couple inches up your ass is the prostate, and massaging the prostate can produce powerful orgasms for a lot of guys. It's a physiological fact. A touch here for this result kind of thing has nothing to do with sexual orientation. In fact, when someone wants to get a load of cum out of a bull or horse that's been put out to stud, the job is done with a shoulder-length rubber glove and an arm all the way up its ass. No sexual act is inherently gay or straight. It's 100% about context and playmate. For those who require clear, clean definitions to relate to the world, I can give you an infallible guideline for figuring out whether a particular act or fantasy is gay or straight for you. If you want to do it with someone that looks like you do when they pull down their pants, it's gay. If not, it's straight. Ta-da! Don't get hung up on defining yourself. If someone's trying to put a label on you, they're going to use it to judge you. So fuck them. You don't have to act on every desire you have, but if you've got some kind of bi-curiosity rolling around in there, you need to look yourself in the eye and admit it, even if you never explore it or admit it to anyone else. Be at one with your own sexuality. Be the ball, Daniel. Be the ball. Unquestioning denial of sexual desire is what the prophets of the Dark Age are looking for. As with all things sexual, if you're doing it with other consenting adults, anyone without a give-a-shit circuit breaker is just plain out of luck. And now it's time to welcome someone who is trying very hard at being a naughty little girl this evening to the show. Oh, that would be Shara, wouldn't it? It would. Well, hello, everybody. I do love watching you lick that spoon, but it's not going to get you out of trouble for everything. Mm. How do I lick the spoon? Do I do a good job? Oh, you do a wonderful job. Okay. <laughs> and as usual, when you're licking things, it's fun to watch. Speaking of bisexuality, that happens to be one of the topics. Thank you for the segue. I can't believe we totally didn't practice that. Um, speaking of bisexuality, we're talking about today homosexuality, bisexuality, societal attitudes, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. As a proudly bisexual woman, why don't you give us your point of view on bisexuality? Well, I think that bisexuality for me is just another way of reaching out and being in touch with somebody else, which I know that's... Does it feel like winning the lottery? Because I imagine it must feel like winning the lottery. Well, you know, the nice thing is, like, when you and I go somewhere and you might be looking at another woman, you really don't check out the men. I'm checking out both. It's kind of fun. Did you ever hear that bit that Carlin did about bisexuals? He did a lot on bisexuals. Yeah, yeah. He, well, the guy was, fuck, he was on stage for 40 or 45 years. He did a lot on everything. Uh, yeah. But uh, he did a bit that was like, uh, can you imagine the horror that it must be to be bisexual? Can you imagine wanting to fuck everybody you meet? <laughs> you might as well walk around with the white pages under your arm. <laughs> well, as you know, I, I'm somewhat picky. It's not like I want to do everybody, but, right. well, of but course, I'm not that of picky either. Standards. I, I have standards, but there's some. I, it's not just about uh, a beautiful looking woman or uh, a nice rack, as you might say. It's also their heart, and and I am turned on a lot by the chemistry. You know, there's it's more than just the looks, like I said, and the rack and all that. It's has to have some chemistry there, and I really end up falling for a lot of artsy type people. If you've noticed, really, <laughs> really, I, I never would have guessed. <laughs> And um, <laughs> so when I see somebody that's artsy, I tend to look at that part of them more than I do their looks and their figure and things like that. So um, 
I just, I really get into the person and who they are. But but the nice rack does help, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, stupid bow. <laughs> so, anyway, but uh, bisexuality, obviously, for me, is um, a good thing. And um, I... I don't think it's my place or anyone else's place to judge people and, and what their sexuality is. And I think that that's the biggest problem with the sexual dark age is everyone's judging. Oh, my gosh, you like that? Or, oh, you do that? It's it's really not my business what somebody else does. Unless, of course, I want to join in with them. Then it becomes my business. <laughs> but then, obviously, I'm not going to be criticizing them or ridiculing them. So Well, yeah, that, that example I came up with for the BDSM episode uh... – a guy who likes to wear a uh, bathroom plunger stuck to his head and get pissed on while he's singing I'm a Happy Unicorn. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it works fine. Yeah. Do you remember that guy? Just kidding. <laughs> well, I thought I made him up. <laughs> oh, you might not have been there. You got no, something you want to admit? <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't me, okay? <laughs> oh, so, anyway. So, I, I just feel that it's important for you to really enjoy who you are and your sexuality. So you started out basically straight or identifying as straight. Correct. And then sausage only diet for whatever length of time, you ended up getting interested in women. How did that work out for you? I mean, do you remember do you remember the first time you admitted to yourself that you wanted to fuck another woman? Wow. Am I gonna actually admit this on um the podcast? I guess well, so. Fortunately for me, you're gonna admit whatever I tell you to admit. <laughs> uh actually Tell me a story, slave. <laughs> My bisexual desires go all the way back to the old neighborhood days when I was a very young person. So okay. I'd say probably um, 12. And uh, there was a girl in the neighborhood that I was attracted to. And, you know, we kind of did a little bit of fondling with each other. Good for you at yeah, 12. I know. Good for She you. had a very nice rack for 12, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, anyway, so that's where my... the my first exploring one and then I just kind of was always more interested in men and I just thought oh shame on me that I had that desire because it wasn't the norm so that was my first experience and then well as you well know uh, we've had a couple of encounters and so I... so so how many women did you fuck before I got a hold of you uh you know what I I'm trying to think I don't I don't know that I did I mean really? well I asked you what your I didn't definition. Know I was such an innovator. <laughs> yeah, well, come on, you really seriously? <laughs> Where's that bell now? <laughs> well, it's right here. <laughs> um, so yeah, no. I seriously, say... the first time I told you to lick pussy, you were like, "All right." <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the desire was always there with me, but you know, no one ever told me I had to do it. So I was just like, "Oh darn!" Then so when somebody told you, me I had to do it, see, you missed out on it all that time. But you're me. You're helping me make up for that. So. <laughs> So thank I, you so much. I do what I can. <laughs> I, you do. <laughs> so would you say, and I know this is very difficult to, this is probably going to be a difficult question to answer, uh, just because it's a, it's a shitty subjective question. Do you find yourself more attracted to men or women, one or the other, or do you find it's pretty equal? I would probably have to say still men, but when a certain female catches my eye, then watch out. But. Yeah, I, I'd probably have to say men still because I just, I If you had cock. to pick one, you'd take the cock. Yeah, I love cock. So. Oh, we know you love yeah, cock. So. You loved it this morning, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Darn it. I was doing so well. Oh, that's, that's a double. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just really missed you this weekend. <laughs> I was so busy. So. Before we move on, uh, is there anything that you would like to say to bi-curious women out there who may never have had any kind of an actual experience with a woman? I think that if they have an interest, they should explore it. I was watching something interesting. Not that I typically watch The View, but... Um, it's okay. You can admit Oh, no. I'm sorry. No. No, no, no. It wasn't The View. It was The uh, the Doctors. Uh, it's a new program on it, like, I think, 10 o'clock in the morning or something like that. But anyway, the female doctor on the show, she was talking about the women's body and uh, the men's parts of their body. And then she was talking about when you go to have your orgasm tonight and rub your hands together, ladies. So she had everybody rubbing their hands together in the audience. And she told them when to stop. And then she told them to take their hands away and said, can you feel that magnetic type feeling? And she said, that's what I want you to do when you have your orgasm tonight is breathe it, try to breathe it back in. So I believe that if you can be very open with your sexuality and you have a desire, explore it. Because I, I really believe that the biggest problem we've had all of our lives are people being made to feel like to be ashamed. And if you have a desire, I think you should explore it because it's a lot of fun. <laughs> so if you're feeling that desire, go for it. <laughs> And actually, as a side note for any of the guys out there who might be a little bit squeamish about having their girl double teamed, uh, if you have never gotten a blowjob from a woman who is in the process of getting fucked, you are missing out. Personal opinion, I think everybody ought to get at least one of those before they go on the ground. Yes, and for that woman out there, it's a lot of fun. Oh, yes. I, yeah, I, have, I have never seen, I have never known a woman who got double or triple or quadruple teamed and did not need the smile surgically removed <laughs> when it was all said and done with. Well, unless they had a bad, if they, if it was not being done right, you know, like really where some people are just kind of lame. Well, yeah, but if you got, I don't know, I, I think any two guys that are sexually confident to the point, sexually confident and comfortable to the point that they're going to double team a girl, I think you've got to have at least one winner in there. There's got to be a cocksmith in the room somewhere. At least one. Or else it wouldn't go down <laughs> if there wasn't a cocksmith in the room somewhere. Wouldn't go down. Hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just a pun in there. Oh, there you go again. <laughs> okay, next. <laughs> well, no, I was just, uh, just a second ago, I was thinking about where I wanted to go next, and then you distracted me. I do that. I know you do. On um, purpose. <laughs> <laughs> you ring that bell to try to distract me, darn it. <laughs> I don't ring it to try to distract you. I ring it to entertain the audience. I know. And you do a good job, I'm sure. And, I, and maybe, maybe I get a little bit of personal entertainment. Just a little bit? Just a little. Or when you go on Facebook and you see that somebody went ding. Oh, it makes me so proud. I know. It does. <laughs> <laughs> so it's there for your enjoyment. So uh, we were talking about double team and the enjoyment. To when a guy pictures a threesome with two women, uh, generally a big part of the fantasy is not only getting to fuck both of the girls and getting blown by both of the girls, but watching them fucking each other. That's not, I mean, it's not like it's a mandatory thing. It's not like you're going to kick one of the girls out or something. <laughs> but uh, it's generally a big part of the fantasy for guys. It, that does not seem to be the case with women. You know, the, the thing for me is I am so broad-minded when it comes to sex and that I like it all, all the different scenarios, all the different fantasies. My head, I never know when I lay my head down at night and I go to dreamland, what is going to pop into my head. And That must be a special gift. It is great, <laughs> let me tell you. It's great. Sorry, but it is. I can't help it. So it's great. But um, So for me, 
I don't think I'm probably a, a good one, but I wouldn't mind hearing from some of the uh, female listeners out there wh- what their thoughts are about that, you know, um, whether it's a fantasy or I used to start my own dreams off when I'd lay down in bed at night. I would start my own dreams off by envisioning a situation or a scenario happening. And then. So you would try to basically direct your dreams by right. fantasizing about something while you were falling Correct. asleep. Correct. And then I would go right into La La Land and my fantasy and my dreams turned out even better than what I had directed them to, started to direct them to. It was great. So I, I wouldn't mind hearing out there from some of the listeners. What is it? You know, do you like watching? What are your best fantasies and things like that? I'd like to hear that. Oh, yeah. Well, we, actually, that is one of the things that we invite on the confessional. And uh, one of the things that quite a few people have posted before is fantasies. And not surprisingly, uh, for somebody with a sexual history like you or me, uh, some of the fantasies are not particularly outlandish. But uh, one of the things that the confessional is starting to illustrate is that different points of view can sway what you think is outlandish right. by wide, wide degrees. Right. Something tells me that uh, Aaron would be like very, you know, go ahead and tell me your wildest fantasy and it won't even affect me, you know. I, I think she'd be like, just go ahead. So I'd like to hear, you know, like, like what she has to say. Or... Oh, so you're specifically requesting Aaron's fantasies? <laughs> oh, well, you know. That seems to be what you're doing. Uh, I wouldn't want to put her on the spot like that, but well, she's not. She's not here in the room with us. I, I mean, know. she's not exactly on the spot. <laughs> well, when she hears the podcast, she might consider herself on the spot. So, uh, she could share. Yeah, know. she's so likely to suffer in silence. <laughs> yes, that does not sound like Aaron at all. <laughs> we'll put somebody else on the spot. <laughs> but uh, you know, this is and under the heading of you know, sometimes I get to learn stuff on the podcast. I had no idea. You know, I tell you all the time that you were a terrible liar, but I might, Well, but you weren't really lying. But how is it that for all of this time, you have kept from me the fact that you never fucked a woman before you hooked up with me? You just never asked me. And so I didn't tell. Well, I never asked you because it seemed like it was business as usual the first time (laughs) it happened. (laughs) No, you just didn't see that scared you know, look in my eyes when well, your friend, when your friend, I didn't see any no, 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 there was, uh, <laughs> no, before that was, um, your friend oh, with, yes, that threw the yes, beer all yes. over me and all over your, and my futon, <laughs> and your futon. That was, uncivilized. and right. And she grabbed my well, hair and she, on my slave, but I got to sleep on that futon. <laughs> Girl, right ahead. The slave cleans up way easier. <laughs> well, she, you could have made her lick me all the beer off of me, but you didn't, did you? Well, I, I am think... not generally in the habit of giving commands to other doms. <laughs> yeah, she kind I mean, of... certainly not without asking for She it. scared me. <laughs> she scared me. She scared me. So, oh, I, yeah, so... Well, her, her and I sat, have sat up drinking on a number of occasions, and we both got some pretty good stories. She's, she's done some pretty outlandish shit on her own. Oh, I could tell. There was no mistaking about that one. So, <laughs> I was... Uh, not going to say anything that night because you, that was, a, that was like a first for me. That was the first. And, uh, I was like kind of like shocked a little bit. And now that I think about it, we didn't talk about it after. So, well, I mean, we did, but not like, oh, this was my first. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, cause, cause you were like, oh, all right. <laughs> See what a good slave I am. <laughs> In fact, I didn't even incite that. She asked me, uh-huh. she asked me if she could give you a command. And I said, yes. And she told you to lick her pussy, 
And you were like, all right, spread them. Well, you told her yes. And so when you told her that, yes, she could give me a command, then right. well, I it, took the, it. The that, thing is, no, zero hesitation, zero protest. You were enthusiastic. I want to make I sure. Ne- I can honestly say at, at this time, I can say that I have <laughs> never seen a first time pussy licker so enthusiastic. And you are to be commended for that. Thank you. Well, I want to. <laughs> God. Oh, I wanted to make sure you were happy and pleased. So. Well, I was. It well, was great. It was a great good. show. It's a good yeah. night. I hear I could have had a probably... wet futon. <laughs> wet from the beer. Okay. Right. Oh, yeah, because being wet from you would be so <laughs> out of the question. Well, <laughs> I was on my knees, and that would mean a lot of dripping going on there. So, oh, yeah, business as usual. No. <laughs> okay. Sleep Next. with a raincoat and a paddle some nights. <laughs> Oh, okay. Next. Well, you have uh, you've got some other things you need to go do this evening, so I do have to cut you loose here. We gotta get you the hell out the door so you can go take care of things. And... I'll be back. That's excellent. But this will be all edited and published when you get back. Oh, didn't we have Collins today? Not this episode. No. Oh, this okay. isn't a listener mail. Oh, okay. So I am free to go. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily go that far. <laughs> you can leave for now. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> but uh, before you go, is there anything else you'd like to say to the audience on the topic of homosexuality, bisexuality, etc., whatever? I think the biggest thing is if you're out there and you see somebody uh, being harassed or ridiculed for their way that they feel about sexuality, encourage them to seek out their sexuality. And, and you know, I, I'm glad you mentioned one of the things you said there because... Uh, I really, I think it's pretty obvious from the way that I carry myself. You know, I believe in standing up for the rights of everybody. Because mm-hmm. one day I'm going to need somebody to stand up for my rights. <laughs> <laughs> and I will. And I'd like to be able to say, hey, all you motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but seriously, I, I personally believe that if there is one thing that everybody in the world, but especially everybody in America could do to improve their lives and the lives of others, it is to start standing up for other people more often. Yes. And not I, all the time. Not not on everything. I'm not suggesting anything ridiculous, but stand up for other people. Right. You like, know, when you hear somebody making racist or homophobic remarks, tell them they're barbarians. Yeah. Tell I, them you don't want to hear it. Exactly, because I, I really believe that a lot of the problem that we've had especially with our age and from the baby boomers on down, there's a lot of people that grew up with a bunch of phobias because they thought it's wrong. It's not something that I should be thinking. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to sit in the confessional for once a week for a year. And you know what? I just believe that if it's in your heart and it's some, it's a part of you that, you know what, you have to go out there and you have to enjoy yourself. You know, as long as you're not hurting anybody, well, Except for people like me that like pain, but um, consensual, play consensual, responsible adults. Very good, yes. thank you. So, um, but I think it's important to support everybody out there and to encourage them. And so, hopefully, that's what everybody does. And it's great doing another episode with you. As always, well, we'll be doing another listener mail next week. Okay. And uh, the week after, we talk about group sex. I can't wait. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> <laughs> and on that ring. <laughs> Thanks again for everybody for listening and tuning in, and uh, we appreciate all your support. Yep. Have a good night, baby. Thank you, you too. And that just about brings episode 24 to a close. 
Thank you for joining us week after week. Well, most of you week after week. And if you're a new listener, I strongly encourage you to go back to the beginning and catch up with the rest of us. I do try to set up topics for this show in some kind of sensible order, and you might get more out of the later ones if you've heard the earlier ones. If you are a sex educator, therapist, author, or enthusiastic amateur who's an expert on any aspect of sexuality and you'd like to share your expertise with the audience while promoting whatever you've got going on, feel free to give me a shout. Everyone else, please feel free to join our conversation by posting anonymously on sexualdarkage.com, emailing jvaltheros at gmail.com, or calling the listener line at 517-376-3116. And don't forget to check out the confessional page on the website. Shara and I are always reachable on Facebook, Twitter, and FetLife, which you can access through links on sexualdarkage.com, and if you've got iTunes, good ratings and reviews are tremendously appreciated. Last but not least, if you have an Android phone, please be sure to check out the Ending the Sexual Dark Age application in the Android market, the only really convenient way to keep up with the show on an Android phone, and I am very much looking for feedback on the app. Next week will be Listener Mail Volume 8, which is looking to be a little longer than the average listener mail, since I've got some questions backing up. And the following week we'll be getting into the dirty, sticky, nasty, wonderful truth about group sex, and whether it is or isn't a good idea for you. Until then, this be me, J.V. Authoros, reminding you that sex is one of the greatest things in life, and there is always room for better.